Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 702, recorded today, Wednesday the 9th of February. As we seem to be sliding towards springtime, even though it's February, there's something... Spring is in the air, certainly in the UK. I hope you're all feeling the same way. Uh, anyway, uh, this is the Music Technology Podcast, not the commentary on the weather, although being British, I can't help myself. So uh, we talk about music production, we talk about uh, synthesizers, drum machines, studio work, live performance, live streaming, anything that has to do with uh, the kind of music and the technology of uh, music making and music creation, music distribution, all of those things. I want to say thank you very much to our friends in the chat rooms. We've got the YouTubers, we've got the IRCers, and we've got uh, everybody all joined together. We're streaming on Facebook, we're streaming on Twitch, and we're streaming everywhere else. Uh, also, we do have a pre-show. A pre-show involves... Uh, um, something that you can see on Patreon. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you can join us there. Uh, not only do you get the uh, Sonic Talk pre-shows, but we cut the ads out. Uh, you also don't get any advertising. They're ad-free stuff and things we post to YouTube. In fact, we posted the JX8 JX08 Boutique Review, which has been very popular today. Uh, and we publish, uh, there's patches and samples. So if you want to join us, feel free. And if you're quick, uh, there's a live kind of uh, sponsorship, not spot a live supporters thing that comes up at the end of the show so if you start now you might get your name in lights if that's the sort of thing you enjoy uh, so anyway we want to say thank you to everybody we've also got messages from our friends over at Yuhi with their Metaphorium patch bank for Hive 2.1 and of course uh, the ever-present Isotope who uh, we much appreciate and they're talking about their subscription service and many other things you can also save 10% uh, with a special coupon code which I'll bring up later anyway let's go to our guests uh, who have we got let's uh, let's go over to New York first uh, New York uh, calling. Uh, we've got Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, who's there in his. Well, he's not in his studio yet. Studio. Can you hear me? Studio I'm is here. still. I can. Uh, I can, Charles. Charles, of course, <laughs> is a live sound engineer, mix engineer, doing a lot of uh, very busy guy actually. Although currently in hiatus, just purely because your gear is making its way over from uh, London in a container, which you managed to get somehow. Is it? Is the date slipped, or are you still? Uh, are you still heading for? Is it March? Okay, oh no! So I've brought up a bat. It's supposed to be your January third. Mm -hmm. Then they said, uh, "No, we, they 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 didn't make it onto the vessel, so the, it'll be on the next one, which is February eighth. Then they said February tenth, and then uh, a few days ago, we have an email that says, "Oh, those those emails were sent in error by a trainee, and uh, your your stuff will be leaving the UK on the fifteenth of February." arriving sometime early March. So wow. it'll be a <laughs> several months now before that I That is cheap. So I, That's I, a cheap excuse. I imagine isn't it? everything like my consoles, I just so have two consoles uh which that was that's why we had to do all this new stuff anyway. So two con two large consoles uh and all this like vintage gear and everything just sitting in a cold container in a yard somewhere for two to three months. <sighs> That's, I'm not that worried about the good, furniture, though. No, it's not good. No. And um, so that'll be coming. Although it's actually, it's worked out quite well because, uh, as I mentioned in the pre-show, I have a Substack and I've written written about this in my Substack. Um, I thought, oh, I'll just take up my time with uh, going into a martial arts thing because I do boxing, really into boxing. So I took up jujitsu and about a week into jujitsu, I got, such a serious injury that I can't actually physically 
move much. Like I have, I have oh, costochondritis, which I, I have like a sort of like ripped up uh, cartilage all down my chest and around my back. And so like, I can, I can, I'm supposed to drive a car. I'm supposed to like not leave the house for like another couple of weeks. So oh, in geez. some ways I'm very fortunate that the stuff didn't arrive, <laughs> but, uh, but it does make me go a little stir crazy because I can't exercise. Oh, man. I can't really go on about. So I'm, I'm stuck here now, but it's great. I have a, I have a beautiful view. I'm looking at like all this, all this foliage around me, which is mostly bamboo trees. Um, I can see Manhattan off in the distance. You know, it's just, it's quite lovely. So could be worse. Could so, be worse. Well, it could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> well, here, I hope, hope to hear that you're, you're, when your stuff's there, you'll be back, back on the block and doing what you do so well. But uh, thank you for, for joining us. I would say thanks for well, making the time, but actually it doesn't sound like that's a problem at the moment. I got lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got Mr. Gazwaldo Williamson from uh, Bristol, where he's there in his studio. Uh, in fact, Gaz, you did your... Um, you did your show last, uh, you did your modular show, didn't you? you you're now a yes, performer, I, as well as music technologist, live performer, all of those things you did. You did a modular show. In fact, I think I, uh, have I got, have I got the show? Let me just have a look. I think I've actually oh. got the, I think I did it. Is it, this is, this is yeah. a bit of it. I mean, it's just, it's just the setup. Oh, I don't want to do that. What's that claim? Oh. My, so this was the gig. I didn't, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a mobile stream, but it looks, I've got to go next time. When's the next one? Uh, I think they're going to do it in two weeks. The venue's great. Um, it's a place called Lost Horizon. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, really, really, really nice. And I loved it. Oh, I finished a little bit prematurely. I only did 10 minutes. I was meant to do 15 minutes. I kind of got to a 10 minute point and I just kind of thought, I'm going to, I'm going to hit it and quit it, I think, because, uh, you know, uh, first tentative steps in doing this kind of thing live. I enjoyed it though. It's uh, but you can see Excellent. in that footage there, my little rig, my new sort of touring or you know live performance rig there with the uh, it's got the the stay stand. I don't know and, if I can make um, that any bigger. Yeah, I can't. So, no, okay, but I'll, I'll do. I'll, I'll probably do something on, on my channel about it um, soon because. Um, but that stand we did cover it at um, Synthfest a few years ago. Uh, it's called Stay. It's a Brazilian-made stand. I think Korg are distributing mm -hmm. them in the UK, and it's fabulous. Yeah, really brilliant, and it just works a treat with um, a modular case, but also with. I had the the, the five or five Mark II, and it sits there. Oh, it works. It's just a. It's amazing. So I was really pleased about that, but. Can I tease about, I just got something today and I'm, I haven't plugged it in oh, yet. Oh, you've made a purchase. Super excited. I made a purchase. And now I'll see if you can guess what it is. I'll drop some clues. So uh, it's been out for a few years. Um, I think it's all analog, maybe. Um, I saw the fantastic legendary techno artist, um, Surgeon, doing a decidedly non-techno set with it. Um, first gig I saw back after the lockdown. Uh, oh, so surgeon, I remember you is, talking about this. What was I it? I did, and I mentioned what it was. Now, um, it's it's more art than well, it's an instrument, but it's 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 as much of an art statement as an instrument uh, as it is kind of uh, you know as it's. Who said it? Oh, Soma? Soma. Is it a Soma thing? Is it the Soma blow yeah. pipe L thing? Lyra 8. Not the pipe. You got it, Nick. 
Hey. Oh, uh, nice. And it comes in hey. funky colours, but I've kind of gone, I've gone black with it. But um, orange and pink and green and all sorts, isn't it? Wow. Heavy, aren't isn't they? It a beautiful. It's a. If you oh. take the case off and look inside, if you take the case off and yeah. look inside, it is a thing of beauty. It's all point-to-point wiring. It's so wow. fantastically made. I'm not suggesting you do that now. I think that would be perhaps, <laughs> no, and that's perhaps not such a good idea. <laughs> These sort of things typically go wrong for me, don't they? But, um, they yeah, I mean, like this thing, Surgeon, that set was amazing that I saw Surgeon do. And uh, this was the centerpiece of that performance. And I would wanted one of these from the moment I, I first saw one. But, uh, you know, it's funny one, isn't it? Because, I mean, there are some outputs on there. You can connect it via uh, quarter-inch jack uh, with some things. But it really is, this is much more a sort of standalone kind of thing. Isn't it, it doesn't you, speak you know? any language that anything else does. So if you're trying <laughs> to get any kind of meaningful pitch information, right. where they just forget it, just treat it like right. its own thing and you'll be, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> so what well, I thought, I, I'm going to do a stream tonight, I think, and I'll plug it in. Uh, and and I have my first sort of play with it tonight on my on my stream. And I'm I was thinking what I might try and do is just do a, a droneathon and get get a vocal mic going on as well, and just sort of uh, see what sort of uh, see what kind of things I can do with it. So yeah, I am so excited. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing to try one thing to try on that that I really enjoyed was uh, putting an external input into it because the dis- the drive. And the delay in it are really nice. In fact, they didn't they make a sort of an, a, a separate module that yes. was just those you can get the module with the Lyra Eight effect. Yes, yeah, yeah, you, you can. So, yeah, ooh, so maybe put a vocal through it. Perhaps it might be quite good. Um, I've also just yeah. figured out there's a way that you can do like a kind of send with the uh, the five or five as well because you could use one of the sub outputs and choose that to not be record. Uh, you could not be in the, main, in the mains, the main outs, yeah. Yeah, yes. you can have it as an effect so, send. Effect send. So I'm going to set something up, yeah. Wow, so it's going to be fun. So that'll be on the that'll be on the Gaz Williams show tonight. Uh, it will. Gaz Williams tonight, YouTube 8, channel. 8 yeah. Yes. So Excellent. please okay, come well, along if you. That sounds like yeah. fun. <laughs> Thank you. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and also we have Mr. Dom Hawking, who's back with us again. Always a pleasure to have I you, Dom. You keep me Thank keep you. me on track. Stop me from forgetting <laughs> the important things. <laughs> I, I just got a list. And, and not, only that, not only that, not only that. You also you're also a great guest. So thank you very thank much. You so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I wish I could you. say something exciting that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, and I can't. But it does involve Soma. Um, and they are epic. So uh, there's there's some some exciting things happening. They have just launched a record label, which is worth name checking. I just love the company. I just love their stuff. But um, there's there's something happening with 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 me and them over the over the course of hopefully well certainly within the next month. Um, but they they've got their fingers in so many pies at the moment, um, and that is an amazing box of tricks there. Um, I've also uh, got something new, non-Soma related. Uh, I put my money where my mouth is, and I got the Fader version of the Fader Fox. So oh. I now, oh, how many faders I is that? Is that have my mixing desk. You know, I've been banging on about the fact that you can't get mixing desks with lots of sends on as MIDI controllers. Right. So if I bolt these two together. That's that's my ah, okay. So you're gonna oh right, twelve channels, and I've I've got it set up into the logic 
So I can literally do dub mixes and spin off effects into outboard or in the box stuff. And so far, it's really neat, actually. Really, really neat. So whilst um, if you, if it doesn't matter what kind of VST recreation you make, if you've got a really nice delay and you feed it back on itself in the desk, it doesn't sound at all like an analog delay. It only sounds nice if you turn the feedback knob off so they're up. So they've obviously kind of just, you know, modeled the feedback knob, but not what would happen is if you fed it back on itself in a channel. But with that, you can set one of the MIDI faders to literally turn the feedback knob and all, all that kind of stuff. So I've been uh, I've been experimenting with a, a cross-section of outboard, like a decent reverb and the spring reverb and stuff coupled with some internal delays and it seems seems to be working actually i'm really chuffed so it's, a, it's an investment but it's kind of like i've been banging on about it for at least a year so i thought yeah. i might as well bite the bullet having done it someone Fair will enough. now release the whole thing like behringer will put out a <laughs> six send you know, midi control disc but well, the, the thing is yeah but it, it doesn't most people are using the uh, huey or the mcu emulation which doesn't give you that level i mean it could yeah. do i suppose if you broke them out but it's not built into the to, it would require probably a fork of the of that and i think it's not something yes, that's viable so. it's interesting yeah. you say that there are some i'm trying to remember which software it is because some software allows you to create feedback loops and but many daws do not right right it's just they I'm just don't to, we did just think about was, it if I was on an old analog desk and mixing, I'd bring I'd bring the delay return, like a big dubby delay return, back into a channel. And then if I wanted to disappear into a I'd just send it to itself and control it like that in old school style. But if you do yeah. that with the VSD, it doesn't sound any good. It certainly sounds different to if you turn the feedback knob up. I guess that's fair enough. If it's all modeled and everything, you know, they're not really designing them to do like that. But it does show you, you immediately highlight some of the limitations of the of the way the VSTs work, you know. Um, yeah. So in the end, you just end up turning a feedback knob. But it, it, it's already lovely and tactile. And I'm already yeah. making noises yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. never make if I was just messing around in the door. So it's, yeah, it's quite inspirational, actually. Nice one. a good week. I, we did a piece a while back about... Uh, um, just taking playing an analog mixer and doing mm -hmm. with nothing other than just plugging inputs to outputs and turning it up until you get oh, feedbacks wow. and fiddling around with the eq and you get these you can get some really interesting tones out of it particularly if you bring an effect into it I, I, it's, it's one of the it's nice. an early sonic talk i remember because I, I made a load of stuff in it and was demoing it live and, and it was it's just a mackie 1202 vlz which you got here and i was just plugging the aux sends mm. into a channel and then feeding them back on themselves and seeing what would happen oh and i'll check yeah, that's really brilliant. interesting, very interesting stuff going on. Mm, Definitely. Nice. Poor old chick is now. Well, we have every, everybody is in the building. Um, I'm, I, I'm allowing, I'm giving everybody plenty of time to chat because it's slow. News is a little slow at the moment. There's very little stuff happening in terms of, uh, um, um, you know, new gear and what sort. Uh, normally, this would be NAM and it would be the full kind of. There have been a few announcements, but it's been very thin on the ground. People are obviously waiting. I mean, we have got Superbooth coming up in May. So get this Superbooth is May, I think, the 12th or 13th. Then Nam is June the second. I mean, Ooh. that is mind. That's brutal. So I don't know quite what our plans are yet. And if a show of hands of any of the manufacturers in there, whether they're going, which they would prioritise where they're going. I suppose if they're in stateside, they would probably go to Nam or May. I, I don't know. We really don't know what to make of it. But it's going to be an intense couple of weeks, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, we we do have some news and that first bit of news. Uh, this is hey, uh, how's yeah, it going? So chat. you might have seen recently that I've made a few videos, things like this. 
So this is a periodical look into the world of VR or AR composition. And this is uh, something called uh, Move Music for Oculus uh, Quest. Using virtual reality, using an app called Move Music to uh, control it, basically. Basically using VR as a MIDI controller. Um, I've had a few yeah. people... over Wi-Fi or a cable. Thousands, but, you know, we're getting there. Uh, asking me like how it works and what you need and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just going to do like a little. So yeah, he, he posted a video. I mean, this is. Uh, oh, I suppose I forgot to do the uh, that thing, which is what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm out of practice. I'll put that in. That's the that's the placeholder. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's another environment that essentially, you know, translates what's happening in a VR world, and but turns it into MIDI controllers that you can then map to Ableton. And I guess it's like a lookup. It looks like XML that you set, and you just go, well, that when you touch this thing, then this happens. All very straightforward, but it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, people are still pushing. They're still kind of trying to convince the rest of us that this would be a good idea. And I'm wondering how, you know, just generally speaking, what the kind of thought, because it seems to me... That there's a there's a, also a big push in the way of AR, which is augmented reality. So you're not completely cut off, and it's just an interesting. You know, what, do we want a VR music making thing, or would it be better to have an AR music making thing where I could be sitting in front of my, you know, your faders, for instance, Dom, and you could have a thing that you would just kind of go, yeah, I'm looking at three seven. There's there's a thing here that I need to control as well that that that's in software and AR. I just, I wonder, you know, because we're we're all looking for things to fit. You know, Gaz, you've just bought a piece of hardware. Chicky, you're dying for your hardware to come up. And you know, I'm sure you'd be working in the box. You know, where, where, you know, do we want VR music creation or would we prefer AR music creation, I suppose, is the question. AR. Uh, Gaz. Uh, oh, Chicky then. Ah, yeah, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think one of the problems with the VR stuff, like the thing he was using, is just like when I... When I play piano or play the push to or the machina or the P1 even because it's very clicky, I like the resistance of it. I like that actual physicality of it and so much of the VR stuff. There's, there's just, there is no physicality at all. It's like, you know, like when you see science fiction films and they're doing the thing like, you know, on the, you know, the, the virtual screen that's in the air and they're, you know, doing like I, that just seems so unappealing to me. If there were actually <laughs> something to actually touch some sort of resistance in the air, completely. Well, just a wall, just mid-air, a surface. Mid-air haptics. Mid-air haptics. Yeah, it's happening. Mid-air, if, if it happens, <laughs> really? great. But I'll, if, as yeah. long as it isn't like one of those like blasts of air like they do when you get your eyes checked, you know, <laughs> where you go, <laughs> don't, don't blink. Oh, God. I um, oh, so what? What are you, what are you saying, Gar? Oh, right. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Would you use this live? There. I mean, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I can't imagine. I can't imagine without something, some sort of physical resistance. I can't imagine VR taking off. But the AR side it needs to be it, pretty strong. I, I mean, if you think about it, if you put your if you put your hand out of the, the window of a moving car, you know, you can kind of you get some resistance. But that is <laughs> 30, 40 miles an hour of wind pressure going at you. So mid air, it would be fairly light unless you had some powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it had it had to be like small sonic bursts. Uh, you know, air pressure changes, and so I would imagine that you sonically speaking it would affect what you're hearing so right uh, you know i so the haptics thing like okay say for instance you're you know you're making music you're doing stuff but just that change if you're having if you're using air as a oh god i'm really getting into theory here sorry if you, if you use air <laughs> as like some type of resistive pressure 
that will then change the pressure of the room. It will affect what you're actually hearing through the speakers too. It starts changing the mm. what's happening in, in the room. So it will color your mix in a way that I can't imagine would be, be very positive, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. Etc. I think, I, I, Dom, I mean, I know you've given this some thought, particularly with the, uh, the uh, Unity engine and the, kind mm, of the, engine, the audio yeah, the stuff that stuff. happens in that. But I mean, that's more of the composite, that's more of the kind of construction. It's how you consume that could be AR yeah. or VR. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it, I just, totally. I think that's, I, I, I just think it's an interesting idea because um, the Oculus Quest is it's about, uh, I think it's 299. It will run standalone. Um, obviously, you need the app would run in that and then it would need to talk MIDI to whatever it was that you're doing. But it just feels, it feels very, dis, you know, like I say, the, the disconnect is, is it that fun to watch somebody do it? And is it that much fun to do? Because as we know, mm. also being totally immersed in VR is quite a, a, a destabilizing uh, kind of experience. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing that you maybe want to do for hours and hours on end without a, a, a certain amount of conditioning, I would have thought. No, there's a massive novelty involved as well at the moment. It's not quite come of age. It's a bit like when the iPad came out and everyone thought that's the end of magazines or whatever. I mean, it's kind of the end of magazines anyway, but it hasn't really changed the publishing world dramatically. Um, I think that VR will take over everything given enough time. You know, the, the feedback is a very important thing. You know, there's some great movies of people playing virtual snooker and then putting going to lean on the table and falling on the floor. You know, as soon as we can get some kind of, no, it's brilliant. As soon as we can get some proper feedback, but I don't, it's not a million miles away. If you can imagine a big ball built into the floor so you can run on the spot, you know, and move around without moving in the room. I've got a, um, a Segway downstairs, like Segway hoverboard, and that just sits there quite happily with gyros inside it, you know, and I can jump on it and, and skate around the kitchen or whatever. Um, so that I don't think it needs to be air or anything. That kind of pushback resistance you can get, it's just a little bit off so far, you know. So as soon as you're there, then it, it matters less. At the moment, clearly, it's a massive novelty. And you can see it as well. Every time a new VR game all over comes out or like even just the chat game or something, everyone's all over it on Twitch for about two days and everyone's streaming how great it is. And then everyone just gets bored and goes off back to normal games and stuff. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think at the moment, AR is really useful. I think real world stuff is, is still the best. And VR is something that we should be excited about in the future. But they're still only scratching the surface of the possibilities. And at the moment, it's a bit like Bitcoin. You know, if you mention VR, everyone goes, whoa, it's going to be great. It's not really that great. It's just got a lot of potential to be used well in the future. I do like the kind of minority report style screens, though. I like to get, I do quite like that idea of throwing away the folders over there and twisting or whatever, you know. Um, but it will be all right for a presentation, but standing, standing in front of that all day and working with it, with your arms <laughs> yeah, in the air, so. kind of like without anything, you know, because we've got a desk for a reason, you know, because our hands can sit on the desk and it's quite, like, you know, there's quite. a certain amount of physical yeah. support. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't mix it, though, like you say. There's no point in me being in VR, making great music and you sitting and watching me or listening to it. I might as well be in, in normal world, you know. If you, come, if you come into VR and you watch this amazing concert and we're all you know, working together and you're influencing the music in some way. That, that's kind of where it takes off. But we're, we're a, a way away. Hopefully in my lifetime, we'll be able to kind of, you know, be a, a feel like we're in another world to, to the point where we can't tell, which would be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah there are some interesting right things. Now. I don't know if you've seen... Sorry, uh, Chicky, go. I was just going to say right that video, that, the video the guy, that the guy was showing, it looks like, you know, those videos that come with the OPZ, um, 
the teenage engineering OPZ. There's a there's like a video uh, controllers. Oh, it was video processing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Built in sort of videos, and it just looked it looked kind of like one of those. And, you know, like I mean, I understand that those aren't meant to look particularly realistic, but uh, but yeah, it 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 it's, it it also sound, it looks a little bit like remember that Jean Michel Jarre thing. The, um, yeah, when he did the, the in-world gig. Yeah, when he did that I mean, gig. I don't in, know about in, you guys. You know, oh yeah. yes, that yeah yeah. I I watched that and it's, I was just like, oh, second life. This is second life. Yeah. <laughs> Only not as not as interesting in second life. I didn't find very interesting anyway. But it's a shame because I love I love Jean Michel Jarre. But I just thought I, I see where he's where he's going with it. I just it just feels like this is a technology that is about you know, it's perennially ten years away. He's finally, he's finally get, he's finally feeling a little old, even though he still looks about yeah. seventeen, and he doesn't want to tour as much anymore. Gaz, I, I know you probably have some, plenty to say about this. It's interesting. I mean, Helena Rice. I don't know if you've seen any of her stuff. She does uses the VR stuff quite interestingly in that she's in the room playing, but she uses her positional data for projections and kind of light show stuff where she is a, an actor within that space. So it enhances and projects the size of her, you know, physicality into the room and makes it... that That's quite an interesting way of doing it. But, I mean, VR full... I mean, you, you're a gamer, aren't you? I mean, I, we're not there with the... We need faster frame rates and, you know, we need 120 and stuff yeah. for it to be really... Yeah. To, to, yeah. to be worked properly. Yeah, I can remember first, you know, there was that initial VR... Yeah, you know, and there were those super slow frame. Oh, it's horrible. But um, <laughs> and that film came out, didn't it? Lawnmower Man, which was like, you know, what VR is going to be like. And so we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, I thought well, something was quite amusing to me last uh, last week or, or whenever it was. Um, I was working with somebody, and they and I was telling them about the meta, you know, metaverse, and uh, you know. I think it was back about October the 28th, Facebook announced that Facebook was now meta <laughs> and the metaverse yeah. is coming. And there's a there's this video, quite a cringy video presented by Mark Zuckerberg. And they're talking in this kind of like way about how things are going to be. And, uh, you know, when we were watching it. It was like, oh, yeah, hmm, really? <laughs> and then immediately after we watched that, we saw that the, the news on the news that Facebook had lost 220 billion Oh yeah, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest yeah. loss, uh, yeah, of any like company ever. ever. To, it's a, yeah, yeah, and so it's like kind of going, okay, so that smug kind of approach that we didn't take into account that was just going to happen. Um, but I digress. I think, um, I think there still is an awful lot of interesting kind of creativity uh, to explore with this. I mentioned earlier about mid-air haptics and. Uh, that I think is going to be crucial to these things uh, having any real musical value. And as far as I'm aware, the way it does it is super focused ultrasonic uh, sound, so you can feel it pushing against against your hands or whatever. And then mm. having some sort of reaction in the air, I think, yeah, is absolutely crucial. I, Chicky, you know, you're completely right about that. I think, um, you know, those. I had to go with those drumsticks where you play a drum kit in the air, and it's, you know, you've, it's you. It's just you wrong. You kind of get it. You need some. Just, you need, but you don't. Yeah, 
you need that reaction. You don't get a sense of how hard you're hitting something. You cut it's hard. It's much harder. I suppose you could train yourself to be if it was sensitive enough. You could train yourself to mm. to know what it feels like when you're hitting it hard and when you're stopping it. But it's it, it, it's it's a, there's a, rim, a disconnect, isn't there? Obviously, I, I've, you I've know it's, it's sort of. Fo- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll just say uh, real quick. You know, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> taking it back to me, talking about uh, jujitsu and boxing. I uh, said, so like, when I was I did boxing for a few years, and when I was doing that, I noticed that like one of the hardest workouts is actually shadow boxing, where you're not actually hitting anything. You know, you're you're mostly working on foot moves, but you're punching in the air, and just that wears you out. It's so much more satisfying to actually be hitting a bag, not a human being, but you know, actually punching something that is giving you resistance. And I think that's the case for, you know, playing anything. It's like just sort of playing in the air. It just, it feels mushy. It feels like you just don't, you don't know where you are. You don't have a good reference in the same way. Like I'm a bass player, you know, like you guess. And when I play, especially when I play with a pick, I have to have, you know, this, this finger resting on that lower string. If I, if I don't do that, I just kind of don't, know where i am you know which string i'm so there's always got to be that there this one point of physical resistance so you know where you are and i think that is what the what the vr stuff lacks that ar doesn't because you're not cut off from the rest of the world and then that's the other aspect too is being cut off from the rest of the world like i have trouble like these are uh uh, noise canceling headphones and they they bother me slightly because then i go (laughs) someone calling me, uh, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I don't like being cut off from the rest of the world. It, even when I'm in my studio making music, I like kind of knowing what's going on around me. Great for that. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Uh, AR would be great for that. No, that's cool. VR, you know, so that's my opinion. No, fair enough. I think that there's a, I, I think we're away. We're away off yet, but it's, it's interesting to see. Sorry, guys. So yeah, no, I, I, I've been sort of like racking my brains about how could this actually be something that is is, is something that is actually genuinely uh, an advance for music production and um, and like wondering about uh, probably AR, but in a VR in a VR world, if you were inside a DAW and you had, I mean DAWs typically have uh, like say like a Cubase or Logic, you know enormous they're enormous programs aren't they and if you're working on a huge big project navigating that project is always um you know is an issue zooming keep in fit by running up and down the timeline <laughs> 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 I, I, I mean i was gonna say though if you are actually observing the song as a three-dimensional you know all of the elements being floating elements and you can see you can you can literally see the entire song and you can move to any point in the song and then be able to kind of maybe edit mm. and do things within that. I, you know, I think there definitely is something in that. Um, I think you're on point you there. Know, yeah. You know, in an AR situation, being able to sort of see it, you know, like From the a kind different of fighting angle, right. figures in, in Star Wars, you know, something like, so you can kind of see it. And as the, as the song plays through it, you can see all the elements and you kind of go, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, just touch elements to mute them out or, um, 
there's definitely something there. Mm, However, in order, but in order, you know, anything that we've seen that's kind of been a hint of this, it's always been like kind of play school versions of of actual music production. You know, it's never it's never the real thing and to have that that level of editing finesse that you get with a daw within that kind it's going to take an enormous investment and an enormous amount of work to get yeah we're too niche up we're we're and the music business is might be too niche niche. yeah but speaking of music business, I should actually, I've been a bit of missing me, I should probably just have a little word from our friends over at uh, Isotope uh, and uh, because it's time, it's time to hear from them about Music Producers Club. Yeah. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And if you head to isotope.com slash Sonic Talk, there's a special landing page there. And uh, if you use the code Sonic10 to check out on any of the products, not including subscriptions or hardware, you can save 10% even on the stuff that's in the sale as well. So that's a little uh, nice little extra bonus for those. So we do thank Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show. Okay, right. uh, We spent a little time on that. Uh, Let's see what... uh, I'm trying to think where we should go next. We've got... Because we're probably not going to get through everything so i suppose we could have a show of hands are we going to do the patterns or vst or the perfect storm i think maybe uh oh let's go for this glass harmonica because yeah what sorry yeah no, no, okay so this is a gr- more water. great video from richard scallon uh, and saving is even easier. rob scallon click for a low auto rate today oh what happened there and it isn't, ah, it isn't got an ad play. slow accords you can do Every You're part safe. of this instrument is You're extremely safe. delicate. You nudge the instrument, glass shatters. Yeah. You press it too hard, it doesn't play. You press it too soft, it doesn't play. You press it the wrong speed, it doesn't play. <laughs> you press it too hard, it shatters and, and that's cuts every, your finger. everything you're doing. Dennis James. <laughs> it's a great video. Uh, Rob Scallon, who uh, you might recognize, actually, because he's the guy who uh, co- collaborates with Andrew Huang on the 24-hour album. They do one a year. And, in fact, we've got an interview with uh, uh uh, Andrew Huang in the bag, which will be coming up in the next week or so. Uh, but this was just uh, this Dennis James who built this. This was actually uh, um, invented by Benjamin Franklin. A sort of uh, was he the f- one of one of the early presidents of the USA? No, and it's it's glad. No, he wasn't. Yeah, sorry, he wasn't, I beg your pardon. He wasn't president. He was he was one of the founding fathers, but he he wasn't president. Um, ah, which is okay. I beg your pardon. He is on on a dollar bill or on the. $100 bill. But he was, uh, he founded the U.S. Post Office. I think he was Secretary of Treasury. 
He signed the declaration, uh, helped craft the Declaration of Independence and signed it. I, strangely, I know all this American. And invented people. the glass yeah. harmonica. <laughs> and, 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 and also he, he was foundational in the invention or the, the discovery of properties of electricity too. So he was, he was uh, okay. quite the Renaissance man and a bit of a playboy too. So, oh, wow! At the age of, I bow to your greater historical old. knowledge. Wow! Okay, mm. uh, the, um, this is uh, Dennis James built one of these things, uh, and and it's built. You know, he's kind of designed. Uh, it, it looks on the outside like it's uh, old school because it's all got sort of Regency yeah. uh, de- decoration, but it's got a little motor in it, and it's it's just the video is fascinating because it's just got a whole load of stuff on it. The, the impracticalities of an instrument like this, uh, which I, I think there were compositions made for it, but uh, could there be a more delicate and impractical instrument? I'm not sure that that's possible I, because <laughs> just I, I just can't say, imagine that there. <laughs> it's like it's it's such a. It's a funny instrument. And what I find really hilarious about this video is they're talking about how delicate this thing is. And then he proceeds to be like sitting on it and he's kind of like roughhousing it while he's putting it all together. I'm like, dude, you just were talking about how, how delicate this thing is. He goes, oh yeah, it's all glass, you know? And then he like throws a bag of parts onto the ground and, and then he talks about how easily it tips over. But the, but the base of it is like that wide. It's like, make the base wider the base. so it doesn't fall over <laughs> the whole thing was just like, like oh you're being so rough with this thing that you're talking about is so delicate you know just be careful with it but it is i've been in a room not with that one obviously but i've been in a room with one of i think it was one of the original ones that was made i don't think it was a recreation um in philadelphia years ago and i remember uh when the 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 guy was playing it it was so loud like it was just yeah. an incredibly loud device um and it, it it some of it was that room that i that I, that i was in i was in a sparsely furnished room so there was there were a lot of room modes and so forth but, but it was ear piercingly loud um it, even even the low levels i just felt like the room was shaking um but it, it's yeah it's really it's quite amazing and uh you know that with a little bit of uh you know, like uh, Valhalla on it. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything can benefit from <laughs> a massive man. reverb, of course. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Bit of that, yeah. That's a real juxtaposition between the two technologies, isn't it? Something made in the 1700s and Valhalla and some full-on DSP. I mean, when you do the wine glass thing, I don't know if you've done that, Dom, uh, you know, it yeah. is, it's, it's surprisingly loud, isn't it, when the glass begins it's to resonate? It's incredible. How, 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 and then you just tune it with the amount of water in there. I mean, it's, it's a crazy-looking instrument. It's one for uh, Spitfire, if they haven't looked at doing one. They, they oh, need to do this plan. as part of their... Uh, well, it could be the freebie library. I mean, because it probably sounds amazing as well. But, uh, mm. yeah, what an odd thing. Quite clever, the way they've designed it in, in, in the the tube way to get all of the glass into sort of the smallest possible kind of dimension. It looks like a kind of weird Victorian commode, though, the way the whole thing kind of sits there. Just like, <laughs> I know what you mean. It's an odd you just feel the, you feel the, you have the urge to, it needs to be urinated on to clean or something. Like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a different kind but, of stream. I mean, he did, one thing he did say is that they had to wipe the whole thing down with uh, alcohol, isopropyl, and also your hands so that none of the kind of stuff from your fingers gets on the glass. Because if it gets on the glass, it doesn't resonate as well. I mean, it just sounds like an absolute nightmare. It's if you a did great it all idea, with that, your, honest, hands, uh, your hands would be absolutely ruined by the end of them. It's a great idea. I just full marks to them for doing it, but I don't think it's going to catch on. 
<laughs> Massively impractical. I know, Gaz. There's something about um, yeah. ridiculous instruments, isn't there? That you know, I mean, the modular's got a certain amount of that to it. It's like it's, <laughs> but this is yeah. this is taking it to a new level. Modular at least could stand up to the rigors of being moved around in a case a bit better. Yeah. Um, something I had to just clarify, though, because I was always confused about it being called a glass harmonica. Now, the word harmonica is from the, I think, the Latin sort of harmonia meaning harmony and is so it's got no relationship to the harmonica and I needed to kind of figure out when did the harmonica uh, the harmonica was invented 60 years later than the glass harmonica so the uh, the the name harmonica is you know is is a is mis, is utterly misleading really you know to what we know a harmonica to be because that had really confused me you know uh, the it, it is actually harmonica. called an harmonica harmonica yes but yeah, it's the same. Like I mean, the same basic the the same Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in terms of Absolutely. the family of instruments, it's got no relationship whatsoever to the harmonica. <laughs> so, uh, uh, just needed to clarify that because it never that hadn't made really much sense to me before. Um, however. One of the things when you do play a wine glass, that kind of purity of the tone is is quite it's almost painful, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. So. Uh, sine wave yeah so it's a so i mean like different wine glasses the different curvature and stuff you know you get i guess different tonalities from them um i, I think it's quite an interesting sound way of generate uh, generating sound though um so i'm kind of curious so if there's any other way i mean i'm sure there must people must have made all sorts of different versions of this i mean this is interesting because it's based on this very very old invention but what do you think you could do in um you know using um modern modern technology because uh, that as i say that the tonality is so beautiful there's probably something you could do i think modulation is the first thing I like midi like midi um, well, um, just some, some pitch. Sort of if, you, if there was, if there was, in, if there was a pitch modulation of it, which wouldn't, because speed would be amplitude, I think, right, uh, uh, or pressure, I suppose. I don't know how you would actually be able to get to, to be able to get, but modulating that sine wave would just make it so much more interesting. Yeah, because totally, the key to how it actually makes tone is about its self resonance. So there's no way to get like. Um, any kind of pitch variation in it. Not that I, not that I know of. I've never been able to do that with any any of those types of sources. So it's it's about how it resonates. Um, so if, yeah, if you speed it up, well, if you speed it up, you start losing tone because then you have to have the perfect balance between the amount of resistance. It's kind of like like a like horsehairs over over violin string. You know, it's it's as those hairs catch and then. The, the and then the string vibrates back and the catch and vibrate it, those two have to be sort of in sync with one another and that's where that's where you the same thing that happens with the wine glass so like with you or in this case you you're putting alcohol on your fingers which is drying out or make it so that you can't create sebum that's a terrible sounding word but it is actually what it's called um, you can't create <laughs> sebum so therefore there's like there's a certain uh, drag certain resistance that happens to be in harmonic uh, congruence with with the mm. uh, resonance of that particular shape of glass and that particular size of glass and the thickness of the glass. So yeah, there's no way to really vary the to vary the pitch. That's why I suggested using the um, 
Oh, like I said, there you get your little bit of Yeah, well, or just, yeah, get Spitfire to make one and then uh, introduce a bit of mod <laughs> action. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 exactly. oh, there is one. What's that? Made by Sonic, Sonic Couture. If ah. you flipped me, I just found it on the, on the thing. Um, it's part of a, ah. a, I think it's 150 quid, part of a contact library called Glassworks. And it says that they, they mm. went with a guy called Thomas Block. And here, it's, uh-huh. you can see it's got kind of gold-rimmed glass as well just didn't notice on nice. the it's kind of cool so there you go yours for 149 pounds wow okay well it's cheaper than the, the real thing i suppose yeah i've seen a few mm-hmm. of these made it's, i think the the gold the gold on it uh it, um i think you mentioned in the video that they they painted on the inside so that you could see which were the accidental notes and which were the uh, uh the uh, root notes so gotcha. you would have the sharps and the flats gotcha. i think that's partly but i'm sure it would probably uh have something to do with the uh, the, the resonant properties of the glass or whatever anyway i, I was kind of thought that was kind of fun um i should probably at this point while we're talking while we're talking about sounds just have uh, this final word from our friends over at yuhi i want to let you know about the new metaphoria check out the interview as well while you're at it this is Yuhi Metaphorium, a 220-plus strong sound bank for Hive 2.1 that has been custom-crafted over a period of two years by Howard Scar, Victor Weimer, and also Urs Heckman himself. The bank was originally commissioned as a custom set for composer Johnny Kilmack for projects he had come Climax. up including a secret film. That film turned out to be The Matrix Resurrections. As Urs Heckman was one of the patch designers, features were added to Hive 2.1 to allow the creation of the new bag. Pretty cool. The sandbag is available via yuhi.com priced at €39. Use the URL bit.ly slash talkmeta. And once again, we thank them for their uh, continued sponsorship of the show. And also, um, do check out, I did a great interview with Howard Scar, uh, Victor Weimer, and Urs Heckman about just the sort of the nitty-gritty of designing patches in general. That was good fun. Okay, um, right, let me see. What would what shall we have next? So um, do we? how do we feel? Do we want to do the QY or do we want to do the uh, VS2 story, VST story? Which, which ha- show of hands... QI. Uh, let's oh, see. No. Q. Um, All right, let's do Q. Uh, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Yeah, sure. I like QI. Them both. Okay, QI, Vid3. Here we go. Stand by. This is a, a preset pattern on the uh, QI70, which is twice. very f- very familiar. Oh, two things of laying. Yeah, two. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Sounds very much like Get Lucky. So this was just a video uh, hit song Get Lucky, which was inspired uh, by a style preset on the QI-70. May well be, actually. But it, I just thought th- uh, this this was kind of fun one that you threw in there. Uh, and it sort of threw up another bunch of questions of what what else have we got that was that has been inspired or taken patterns? Because, I mean, I'm not saying it was, but it, it may well have been. <laughs> but what, what caught your eye about this one, Gaz? Uh, yeah, yeah, a friend of... Uh, put me onto this one and i thought it was quite fun because it's probably a coincidence um but it does sound remarkably like get lucky uh but i started thinking about how um how like kind of sort of arranger type devices become um like historical devices for sort of preserving little pieces of 
you know, um, musical ideas. Uh, so, for instance, when that, like, I, I had a QI twenty when it came out back in nineteen ninety two, I think it was, and it was absolutely brilliant. I, I, I loved that thing. It was a, a complete standalone sequencer. You, you, but you did have to utilize the four arranger tracks, uh, and you could then, I think, you had four tracks that you could write things over but you had to use the sort of the drum tracks and sort of bass lines and stuff if if you wanted to utilize the whole eight tracks and i i actually loved it i thought it was a brilliant thing uh but just also just this little battery powered thing having it oh it was i just thought it was marvelous however um some of the uh arranger tracks sounded actually really quite good <laughs> um i started thinking oh, i wonder where the inspiration for a lot of this stuff came from and um i mentioned that when i was on the show a few weeks ago i've i've become uh quite obsessed with the early yellow magic orchestra their first and second album especially the second album solid state survivor which that was released in 79 uh, and in japan was an absolute smash smash hit album it was uh and it really created this what do they call it techno um oh what was the term it's Jap uh techno beat or something uh oh i can't remember um but like listening to that album i think wow this has been probably the one of the most influential music on computer game music as well uh right. and also probably influential on the um backing you know the backing tracks as well uh but just sort of digging a little bit deeper um one of the members of um of yellow magic orchestra had become really obsessed with um exotica and sort of um 1950s sort of music and uh, they then started to try and update it and make that um I, I actually if you listen to those um yellow magic orchestra albums they they're drawing from some very unusual uh some very unusual places sorry i'm gonna get to the point now i think what then has happened by them then turning it into their version of this like future pop music then that's then influenced then the japanese manufacturers and have then made uh, accompaniments based on this so this is weird all right what uh, was going on culturally for that right yeah yeah that's, makes yeah sense. so this uh, evolution then um so so yes so there these devices then you know uh when i'm not sure when a qi70 came out it's probably 22 23 years ago or whatever um they become kind of historic pieces in a way of just locking down certain musical trends certain musical themes um so I think that gives well, them usually a, they, usually they d they date very badly, don't they? That's the thing. I mean, but I suppose something like this is is actually quite uh, it's quite an interesting um, uh, sort of change in the way that uh, that that it's thought of. Because I mean, I've often talked about the fact that you know as soon as you put drum and bass preset on a on a on a modern synth, it becomes dated instantly. But there are a couple of others. There's that one that you found, uh, and Dom. I think if I if I just I might be able to yeah the Casio MP40 was responsible for slang-tang, which is like this kind of uh, classic, almost a genre in itself in reggae. Um, which is this bass line, which is... Yeah. 
which I yeah is massively familiar, <laughs> massively familiar. It's just brilliant, isn't it? And this is that developer over there, this marvelous lady who put it together. Um, and it's a slight, it, they, it comes across like it was a special secret key combination, but it's basically, I think that came across originally as a rock baseline preset coupled with some <laughs> other, you know, you had to press a slightly different combination to get that particular riff going on and beat going on. Um, but yeah, and that really just spawned. I mean, it's got its own Wikipedia page. So many things came out of Slang Tang, which is just fantastic. Mm. But if you think about it, that rock baseline, was inspired by something as well. And it's sort of Sex Pistols-y, kind of that kind of thing, which is Which is rock and roll. That Yeah. And then they just switch the kind of downbeat and suddenly you've got this thing that then switches into a whole new genre, which is which is just fabulous. And then there's there's all the other stuff, which is like the presets that instantly you can identify. So say that the classic one would be the opening chords on Thriller, the which is oh, a Synclavier yeah. preset. Yeah. And th it's impossible to play that preset on a Synclavier anymore on anything after that tune because that's the way, that's the intro. That, it's one they own it. sound yeah. and off it goes. And, there, and there's loads of ones like that. I mean, the whole of um, the Tubeway Army kind of Gary Newman thing, um, supposedly he was in a more guitar-based band. I mean, the first sort of Tubeway Army album is a lot more guitar-y with his, uh, with his uh, uncle on drums and stuff. And when they went to do some recording, there happened to be synthesizers in the studio, which came out as sort of our friends Electric and produced this massively influential kind of sound. And a lot of that's all the presets as well, you know, down in the park and all that stuff from way back then, showing my age now, is all, is all kind of presets again. So... Yeah, there's, uh, I wouldn't worry about using presets because there's yet a, a very strong precedent set throughout the years. <laughs> Just be the first well, one to I'm use not, them and you'll be all right. And, and not, not only that, there is actually, you know, I mean, there's a huge market in presets. I mean, that's the thing that I was, yeah. I mean, you know, you can flip presets. Presets seem to, to me to be good for for uh, demonstrating the capabilities of a synth, but like, particularly when you come to, to soft synths, and this is something I brought mm. up with uh, the, uh, the Yuhi people, was like, well, actually, it sort of discourages people from actually bothering to, to program it because you just go, I'll just flip until I find something I like and I might tweak it. But actually, you know, what happens if you took a, a software synth and just removed the possibility of actually saving any presets? It wouldn't save anything ever, you know. So even if you save the door session, it, it would just come back as an init patch. There's, you have to print it. You have to do it. I don't know whether you feel how you feel about that, Chicky, but uh, yeah, well, it is uh, kind of modular, but yeah. <laughs> well, I, I have the, um, well, I got the grandmother. Yeah, Mo Gripender, and I've got that. Um, I've got a bunch of those Arterias. I've got with the what's the small one? Mini Brute. Micro yeah, Brute. Micro Mini Brute. Micro Brute. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, and I, I, I actually had a great way of storing presets on it. I uh, got my iPad and I stood right over it and I took a picture and go <laughs> wrote on it. That old school. This preset is and <laughs> old school. Yeah, it's great. That's how I used to save setups on consoles. You know, with the Polaroid. You know, yeah, me too. <laughs> Just like leave it on the console. Um, but oh god, that really showed my age there too. Oh, back before I've done were, that. I used to do that. Were ironic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I like the whole idea of like starting from nothing and and building up presets. Um, but yeah, this. But oh, I but I did want to say this this uh, Casio. I I not too long ago, right before I left the UK. I actually bought a whole uh, resampling preset uh, thing of of all of that because I have a client of mine who is a 
sort of ska-ish kind of guy and uh and and we used the hell out of that <laughs> it's just it just sounded so nice there's like versions of it you can get through the speaker versions without the speaker you know direct output oh, nice. and i have a i do have a casio vl tone which is the little combination synthesizer yeah. and, cal- and calculator too. yeah it's great yeah you used, know, it's, very it's useful calculator. yeah yeah if you're in the middle <laughs> of uh working on a song and you go Wait, what is the square root of three, four, five? I wonder yeah. how many BPMs. Well, how many, work out. D- d- yeah. Gas, yeah. Oh, I was just wondering how many B- times BPM has been worked out on a VL tone. Oh, yeah, I was going to say oh, sure. delay Quite times. Old, old fashioned. Quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I mean, I love, I love, and also I do, I, I love Casio stuff in general. I have a, uh, the CZ5000 or CZ5000, as we call it over here. Um, which is kind of falling apart, but it's it's. I used to take it on the road with me. It's got a key I busted off once because I forgot to bring the case, you know. And so you know, it's it's been repaired with super glue, which is all nice and yellow right on the seam. And you know, but the the, the thing just has a certain sound to it that's hard to it's hard to replicate even with the the VST. But speaking of VSTs. Oh yes, we're going to. That that makes me feel like you actually want you want to cover this uh, particular topic because obviously uh... (laughs) not really, but you know, I I, but I thought I'd help you out there. Well, let's just throw this in there. Uh, This is basically, this was on the Steinberg Forum. Oh, gosh, yes, cookies, all of that stuff. Uh, They announced uh, that, uh, well, we knew it was coming. I mean, we did know it was coming, but uh, Stefan Trabich, who's a a jolly good chap, has posted that uh, VST is is officially going to be discontinued. And not even supported in any of their software. The, the, this was via, uh, Mr. Fox via our Discord, which uh, if you want to check that out, it's well worth... Uh, I think we've got a Discord overlay. Yeah, join our Discord. There we go. More, more chat on Discord. Um, Steinberg host applications and plugins across macOS and Windows will offer VST3 compatibility only. And obviously, while Rosetta is still running uh, on the M1s, uh, you could still get back to VST2, but that's going to be it. And that's going to cause... A, 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 I mean... There's a lot of people kind of upset about this, but at the same time, they have been saying we're going to be cutting it off for like 10 years or so. I don't know how you feel about that and how, how many legacy VSTs you use, Chicky. I mean, I guess maybe some, because otherwise you wouldn't have brought up the subject. Yeah, exactly. I, I do use some. Um, I, I switch between VST3 and VST uh, quite a bit because there's just some, there's some plugins that for various systems, depending upon the day of the week and, you know how high in the sky the moon is, and whether or not it's rainy outside. It just suddenly won't won't work very well. They they crash various things, and so I, you know, I'll switch over to VST three or switch over to an AU, which, as I understand, AU is just VST three with a wrapper in it or on it. As far as I know, I, that's what I, I heard. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I I, I I do switch around quite a bit. So I my dislike of this is that it limits that ability to easily switch to older or other versions of the uh, code. But, you know, that said, VST has, VST3 is a lot more reliable to me than it was when I first started using uh, VST3 versus VSTs. Um, so I, I, they originally were all in, I was using only Ableton that had that ran VSTs, but now that I mix mostly in Studio One, um it's a lot more important 
so yeah, that's that's my only thing about it. You know, I always hate it. It's sort of like uh, it always feels bad, doesn't it? When that when you yeah when the well, major change like this can be really disruptive. Yeah, they were like, I was like, oh gosh, I'm really going to be missing being able to run Opcode Studio Vision Pro you know, on OS nine. It's like, well, did you, did you yeah, really? I, I, <laughs> did I really? Yeah. I mean, like, and there's certain things I still miss the whole MIDI to audio, audio to MIDI thing, but you know, Ableton's got that now, uh, 20 years later, but, um, but yeah, it, it's the trans transitions are hard for, for everyone. Uh, as I, as I know full well, because I've just moved. Countries. Well, also um, we got to remember that, uh, we, as with Rosetta, when they introduced that, when they changed from the PowerPC chips or to the PowerPC chips, I can't remember now the first time around. Mm -hmm. After, uh, I don't know whether it was one or two years, they just stopped drops. They stopped supporting it and just went, okay, that's enough. So there will mm -hmm. be that cutoff point as well at some point in the future. I mean, it's just something we all have to look forward to, I suppose. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't really think about it all that much because I'm not doing everyday music production where I might have to jump between projects that maybe were done a couple of years ago to one that's coming back. I mean, I guess, Gaz, you know, this is going to be more of an issue for you if you've got specific workflow things and you have to start thinking about it at, ahead yeah. of time when, you know, when that day comes. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a PC from 2000 that I used for many, many years, but I, I've got it. <laughs> I've still got it. It's kind of everything's installed into it up until about 2004. So, I mean, like VST, here's just something quite interesting. VST3 came out in 2008. Uh, VST initially is 1996. VST2 launched in 1999. And then sort of, so VST3 has been with us since 2008 so it's pretty you know yeah i think it's kind of fair enough in a way it's uh and vst3 of course brought such huge you know advances being able to do individual note editing um uh so having to kind of maintain this old yeah. Uh, compatibility. The curse, the curse of the cu curse of compatibility. <sighs> yeah. Ooh, that's, so, a, that's a title. If I, if I ever need <laughs> to, I, I, if I, 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 and I haven't found the need to yet, but I've got that old PC, which I mean, I'm assuming it'll boot up. I haven't turned it on in 15 years. Uh, but um, something someone said about doing about is just, just taking the hard drive out and putting the hard drive somewhere safe, you know, the system hard drive with everything installed into it. If you've done a big album project, uh, something that you want to go back to a point in time, just take the hard drive out and put it somewhere. Uh, and then theoretically, <laughs> you can then put the hard drive back into any system and boot into that that point in time. Mm, um, to a degree. Which, I mean, if the, yeah. not all OSs support all sorts of chips. I wondered about the idea of... Um, because uh, I'm I'm deep into the cloud at the moment, and every day we come across this new idea. It's like, oh, that means we could do this. And it's, one of the things is like, why can't you just make an image of your, you know, Cubase four VST uh, 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 stacked up system, and then just throw that up on Amazon, and then every time you need it, you just boot it up. Because when you, you know, using something like Parsec or a remote desktop viewer, you'll get. I mean you can get some pretty responsive work done. I mean, you know, after this show, what happens is I take the video that's recorded, it, I edit it in the cloud, and I can. It's not actually a problem. It's actually perfectly responsive. I mean, it wouldn't be good enough for me to be able to play instruments into it live, but certainly for mixing, it would be absolutely 
I can't see there'd be a problem. Dom, you haven't had a had a word to say yet, so I should come over to you now. It's progress, isn't it? I mean, it, you've been unable <laughs> to write VST threes from scratch, a VST twos from scratch for well over a year. I mean, I wasn't allowed to put out a VST two version of Incinerator, um, and when I started working on it. Uh, it was probably around about the time they stopped that. So you were only, you couldn't get hold of the the dev kit or anything. I suppose I could have asked someone to send me some files and kind of bodged it, but the, contractually you weren't allowed to put it out with Steinberg. Um, and it's been like really? that for a while. So, so you they, could, they you have, could a, keep they have plugin police. Yeah, well, yeah, basically. I mean, there's a there's a fairly stringent kind of thing you have to go through in order to distribute the stuff. But in terms of downloading the core code that you need to produce VST2s, they've taken it offline completely. There's no support in there for it. So you were able to release updates to legacy plugins for the last 18 months, two years, but no new ones would have come out. And to be honest, that made my life so much easier because it's... It's not quite right. as bad, but it's a bit like Windows XP was to web developers. It's like you had to jump through so many hoops to make a website work on Windows, like um, on Internet Explorer 8 and 9 and all that old rubbishy stuff because it broke so many rules and you had to, there's so many hoops to jump through that when they got rid of it, it was like, thank goodness for that. You can just concentrate on the core uh, core code. So, so Incinerator was much easier to write and make work because I didn't have to worry about a VST2 version of it. I'm not quite... Quite right. sure. I'm just going to bite the bullet and, and see what happens when it stops being supported because I don't think there's much that I do that I would rely on it. If I'm backing something up, I always just back up stems in the same way that I would keep two-inch tape from back in the day or something. I, I, you get to a point where you think, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to want to reopen the mix and expect it to work with all the plugins and everything again, because I've kind of made that statement now. So I'm going to save all the audio. If people want to come in and remix it, you know, save it out and then chuck those in the cloud. But you're right. You could save like a virtual box image of the platform that you're working on and chuck it somewhere. And you stand a pretty good chance of bringing that back. Um, and people do that kind of stuff all the time for testing on old versions. Ironically, you know, if you were writing for a VST2 type situation, you can have a box on the cloud that's configured with an old copy of Ableton or whatever that you can just use as a testing environment for backwards is the best way to to kind of do it. So mm. it should work with no problem the other way around. But I, I, I'm a great believer in just committing and, just, okay, do you know what? These are now audio files. You know, I'll save them as high quality as possible. And so I can push all the faders up to zero. It's going to sound like the mix. And if I ever need it again, I'll go back to that. Mm. Yeah, fair I enough. Think, I think what we're going to be missing, though, is that vintage sound of uh, BST2. <laughs> yeah, it does sound better. That's sort of slightly better, the more the, yeah, they're not very good. Well, the were the were the, the the lower lower grade emulations, the worse physical modeling, the worse yeah. sort of uh, acoustic. <laughs> yeah. Just the, yeah, That's all right. of that, the, all of the circuit behavior is just not quite as good. It was like twelve bit yeah. circuit behavior modeling rather than <laughs> rather than proper. That's got the real stuff, well, man. <laughs> the real thing. Let's have the real thing. Well, I, I think that probably brings us to uh, the end of our show. I uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining. Us. Uh, I didn't. I, di I didn't get any pics from anybody, but I did find one thing that I thought was kind of fun. Which uh, let me just see if I can find it. I'll play the video because uh, um, at this point in the show, we often have this kind of idea of um, uh, panel pics, and uh, I found this because I, I, what I've been doing, which seems to be a bit of a drag, is I keep. This page isn't available. Oh, brilliant. It's not going to bloody work, is it? <laughs> it's the, uh, the the group. It, well, it, well, it shows in. Basically, there's a um, Rare and Strange Instruments group on uh, 
on Facebook, which I posted the link in the uh, in the show notes. And I found a video there which was just really good fun, which was th- this instrument that this guy made. There's, it's full of really wacky and interesting in- instruments like the harmonica. <laughs> This, this guy made. His own mouth. I don't know what you'd call that. Vice improved this man's natural ability. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that as a pick. But it's a great Facebook group. Yeah, it's like, that's right. It's exactly what it is. Exactly. It's exactly that. Oh man, we're going to have the orchestra. We have the mouth orchestra, and fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you so much for our friends over in the discords, the chats, everywhere else. It's very a, a big pleasure, and thank you for the super chat, uh, uh, Wagyu again. Thanks, mate. Uh, and uh, although for some reason, it, oh no, it's all right now. It's, it kept throwing up all over the place, but. Thank you. Uh, that was Sonic Talk, uh, episode 702. Uh, we're over for the day. I guess I can go to our fours up and we can wave off uh, and see you all soon. Uh, I hope you all have great weeks wherever you are. Thanks for joining us, Chicky. I guess you're going you're gonna to be taking it easy. Gaz, uh, you got any more gigs? Um, yes, but not for, not for a while, actually. Uh, but yeah, gigs are now coming in, which is really exciting. But remember oh, tonight, though, join me for this 8, oh, yes, 8 of course. If you, if, if you are <laughs> remotely interested, I, I, you know, this weird controls. What are these numbers? 34, 12. You can change this. This switch goes from 34 to 56 or 78 to 12. No, it's not. They're groups. They're voice groupings. Oh. One uh-huh. and two, three okay. and four. 34 is three and five four. And six, and one. <laughs> three and four. Yeah. There are 70. <laughs> <laughs> but we are ready for your review. Yeah. <laughs> There's one called LR as well. What does that stand for? LR. Oh yeah, yeah. Three, four. That's what those numbers mean. First time I've even looked at it. Though it's first time I've looked at it. Nice. So, yeah. Brilliant. But well, no. I'm sure you'll have uh, plenty of people interested because it is a beautiful sounding thing, and I'm sure you will make some fascinating sound from it because it's it's almost impossible not to. Sometimes it can be. Difficult to tune. That's the only thing I would say. It can be difficult to tune. So uh, watch out for okay. that. Uh, worth having a tune. And uh, Dom, thank you for joining us. Uh, of course, MrWiggly.co.uk, maker of the said incinerator plugin, which I forgot to mention at the thank beginning. You. Thanks for joining us. That's What's right. happening in That's your right. show uh, this weekend? Have you got something on Sunday? Uh, not sure. Some stage, apparently, Nick Bat's going to show up um, and appear on it, which is going to be epic. So I will. I was looking forward to that. Mm. But uh, in the meantime, not sure yet, but I'll see everyone tonight watching Gaz's show, which is always good. So it's good. A, lovely to see that stream from his mobile, which is great because I think he was half-hearted about doing that. And B, it's great to see him, uh, a stream from him tonight. So I will catch everyone in Thank the you. chat as usual. Looking forward to that. Absolutely. One. And uh, if you if you at a loose end after that, there's always uh, Kent's record-breaking eight hours plus live stream from yesterday. Kent, Mr. Kent Spong. Uh, he's really grasped yes, it. So yeah, do check that out. Right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody. I'm going to press the goodbye button and we'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody.